Uh, we'll get started. Uh, we're in Revelation 13, and uh, <clears throat> I have to begin with a little bit of a disclaimer. In 13, we're introduced to the, uh, the person that most of us grew up calling the Antichrist. And <clears throat> as you look through this chapter and learn more about uh, the Antichrist, the, the beast is the, the term John uses. Uh, <clears throat> it's one of those things where the more you read, the more questions arise. And so you have to chase down that question and that leads to other scriptures and that leads to further questions. And so there's a, it, we need to be real careful with uh, chapter 13. Need to be careful with any chapter of the Bible. But uh, chapter 13 takes a little extra work. And I'm just going to be real transparent with you that last week I spent most of the week by my mother's bedside and this week we've spent most of the week getting ready for a funeral and there is no way that I am emotionally or mentally prepared to carry you through chapter 13 tonight. Okay? What I can do is introduce the chapter introduce the Antichrist beast figure. And so we're going to do real good if we get all the way through verse 4. <laughs> all right? Is that okay with you? And in order to even begin to understand what's happening here, we really need to have a background. So I'm going to give you some homework. Next time when we get into the meat of chapter 13, you'll want to have some Daniel in your pocket, and you'll want to have some Matthew in your pocket, and even a little bit of 2 Thessalonians. So those passages are written here in black. Obviously, I'm not going to hold you accountable to this, but if you'd like to have some background before we talk about these things next time, this is where I'm going to build that background. This is where we're going to be spending a lot of time. Daniel 7, really, just to be safe, you could read the whole chapter of 7. Daniel chapter 8, right in the middle, uh, verses 23 through 25. Daniel 9, 26 and 27, and then Daniel 11, 36 through 45. If you'll spend a little bit of time reading those passages in Daniel, you'll, uh, you'll see that John's imagery is based on Daniel's imagery. John's vision is um, kind of a rerun of Daniel's vision. Is that fair to say, Larry? Yes. Okay. Oh, that's so interesting. Daniel, 
Daniel 2 is the, the, uh, the statue, right? Yeah. And part of the statue is made out of iron and that some out of brass. And I never even thought about that. Thank you. See, that's why we have you around. <laughs> so Daniel, Daniel 2 leads to Daniel 7. And then jot down these passages. Then Matthew just kind of touches on this guy that we call the Antichrist. 24, 15 to 16, and then spend some time in 2 Thess 2, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And that'll get us ready for our next time where we'll get into more of the meat of this, okay? Now, let's jump right in, but we're not going to be able to stay here long. We're going to have to bounce around a little bit, but let's start in verse 1, chapter 13. I saw a beast rising out of the sea. Uh, as you deal, as you, as you work on uh, chapter, as you work on Daniel, and as we work through this, remember genre or the, the way literature works is very important. Um, for an extreme example, if you go to the library and you pick up a book in the nonfiction section that is a biography of Abraham Lincoln, then if you go to the dime store and you pick up a comic book of Archie and the gang, you're going to read those two very differently with different expectations, right? The Bible is full of different genre, different literary styles, purposes, so that we don't read the Gospels the same way that we read the Psalms, because the Psalms are songs, and they were written for specific times and purposes and meanings. The Gospels tell stories. Paul's letters are letters. They're very personal, but they're letters, not stories. So with that in mind, Daniel in, especially in these chapters, and Revelation are what we call apocalyptic literature. And that means that, it means a lot of things, but primarily for our purposes, it means that he sees fantastic symbols that represent spiritual truths. Fantastic symbols tell the stories, okay? When you read apocalyptic literature then, you know that you are not to interpret every single image as literal. So when John says, I saw a dragon, it doesn't mean that one of these days a real dragon is going to come. The dragon represents Satan. Here's a beast, and this beast is crazy sounding. And the reason you're not going to be able to picture it is because it's so fantastic outside of even our imaginations. But understand, he's not telling us that this is an actual creature who's going to appear. It's apocalyptic literature. In other words, he's using these, these fantastic images to help us uh, uh, get an idea of, of the spiritual realities behind this being who's coming. 
So he, he says he saw a beast rising out of, out of the sea. Now, um, <clears throat> some of you will, will notice that your verse 1 started at a different place. It read differently. Do you, does your verse 1 say that he stood on the sand of the sea or he stood on the shoreline? Okay. He, in this case, goes back to who, was, who, who are we just talking about? He goes back to Satan who was described for us in chapter 12. That's why the... Uh, my version, which is the English Standard Version, I think correctly changes the numbers. Remember, numbers are not inspired by God. Numbers are put there by people so that we can find the right address when we have Bible studies. Okay? I think that first phrase is, is the actual the conclusion of chapter 12 that is a cliffhanger that leads into verse 13. This is Satan, described for us in 12, the, the dragon. He's standing on the shoreline. Now, here's the significance. The shoreline is made up of sand and water. You know, you spend any time at the beach. The, the, the water comes up and it plays with the sand and it gets kind of gushy in your toes, right? It's part land and part water. The reason that's significant is that John is about to introduce us to not one, but two beings, two, the, the, the beast, and then we'll be introduced to another, uh, another really person later. But the significance is that the first beast comes from the water, from the sea. The other one comes from the land. And the dragon is standing in the middle on the shoreline, half water, half land. So that it's saying the dragon calls from the, the sea and from the land. Two very different places because they're very different beings. We don't want to think they're the same being. They're very different beings. Turns out one is what we call the Antichrist. The other is what we've always called the false prophet. And Satan is the one who calls these two beings. Uh, from the, the sea and from the land. So that first phrase, what difference does it make if he's standing on the sea line? Well, that's it. One is about to come from water. The other is about to come from land. And Satan stands in the middle calling them forward. So I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns, seven heads, with ten diadems on his horns, Blasphemous names on its heads. That sounds familiar because it is. We had a very similar description of the dragon when we first were introduced to Satan. He had horns and heads and such. The significance there is to remind us that the Antichrist is... Uh, used and empowered, connected to Satan himself. That's why they, the, the description begins the same, so that we recognize that connection. The description is actually very interesting. Um, ten horns, uh, 
seven heads, ten diadems on his horns. Seven heads, most likely, and, and we caught this when we looked at, at, at the dragon, seven heads most likely represents the seven uh, worldwide empires through history. There have only been six so far that covered the known world at that time. Egypt, then Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome. These empires ruled the known world in their time. You say, well, there's seven heads, not, then you've only listed six. That's because the seventh is yet to come. The seventh will be the kingdom. I don't like that word. Will be the empire over which this Antichrist will reign. There will be a worldwide empire and he will be the head of that, that final world empire. So he is that seventh head. With me so far? Please. For homework, read, read uh, Revelation chapter 17 because it does define some of these things. It's hard to see in the seven heads who they are, etc. Et so you have to skip ahead in order to get back. So 17 and 13 really go together. They do, and, and that's, what I, that's what one of the things I ran into when I was trying my best to get the whole chapter ready for you tonight. I, I saw that I was going to have to go back to Old Testament and forward to 17, and it's just, it's just too much to all throw all at you, and I'm not there. So 17 is, is you're right. You're right on target. That will help us understand the picture of this beast. Sure will. Thank you. So he's got, he's got seven heads, uh, I think, representing the empires through the world. He's got ten horns. And there's a, a crown on each horn, which many scholars, and I find myself in this camp, many scholars believe that that represents ten nations, if you will, ten powers that come together in this new world empire. The, the, the crown represents authority. It represents some kind of government. And so you got, you got ten of these, so that means you got ten governments that join forces. You've heard, perhaps, of the one world government that will eventually come. And that's, this is one of the reasons that many of us think that's what's going to happen. Ten nations form this great power that becomes so powerful under the leadership of the Antichrist that it becomes the seventh empire over the world. Okay? By the way, this is not the first time that we have been introduced to the Antichrist in Revelation. We ran over it kind of quickly when we first saw it because we weren't ready for it yet. But if you back up to chapter 11 and verse 7, 
Let me show you real quick the very first time we were introduced to him. You remember in chapter 11, we were talking about the two witnesses. These two who uh, come to tell the truth and, and uh, basically share the gospel, if you will. They are uh, put to death. In verse 11, it says, after the three and a half days, remember they're, they're put to death and they're just laid out in the street for three and a half days and people come by and see them, and laugh at them, remember? Verse 11 says, after three and a half days a breath of life from God entered them. They stood up on their feet. Great fear fell on those who saw them. Uh, where am I? That's 11.11. What I want is 11.7. I'm sorry. I want 11.7. When they finished their testimony, that's it. The two witnesses now have finished their testimony. The beast that rises from the bottomless pit or abyss. And many people believe that in uh, the chapter that we're studying tonight when it says the sea that that's speaking of the abyss. That's the same thing, perhaps. So when they have finished their testimony, the beast that rises from the bottomless pit will make war on them and conquer them and kill them. That's the verse I wanted to show you, that we actually are introduced to this beast coming from the abyss or the sea from the bottomless pit all the way back when the two witnesses... Uh, <clears throat> are put down. He's, he's the one who does that. All right. So we've been introduced to him there. Back to our verse now, uh, back to our chapter 13. That beast rising out of the sea uh, described in chapter 11 as rising out of the abyss. We talked about the ten horns, the seven heads. The, the crowns on his, on his horns represent the authority of uh, uh, kingdoms or governments. It says blasphemous names on its heads. And uh, we take that to mean that each of these ten nations will, will, be, uh, will stand against the things of God. They are not going to be godly nations. They're not going to be founded or, or uh, working under uh, God's plans. Verse 2, and the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's, and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. Now, just for fun, uh, I went back to look at some of these passages in Daniel that you're going to look over this week. And Daniel describes a vision and in his vision there was a lion a bear and a leopard now you see John's vision he lists a leopard a bear and a lion what's the difference in the two lists right it's it's reversed these representing world powers, the people that got, the people with whom uh, John was interacting, the people John was writing to 
would have been familiar with the fact that these nations had kind of gained these um, mascots, if you will, based on the way they did battle, based on their characteristics. Um, see if I can even remember how this works now. The, the, the lion was fierce. Um, I think it, Assyria. You remember the, 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 the countries associated with it? I want to say Assyria. Babylon. Babylon, the Medes, the Persians, the uh, Greeks, and then uh, okay. the, the other Okay. All right. Hang on to that because you're going to help me again. Uh, I know the Greeks. That, that's the easy one, and you'll see why that one's the easy one. Uh, so Babylon was just fierce, and so they kind of became known like a fierce lion. Medes and the Persians were strong. That's how they conquered with just brute strength. They were overwhelming brute strength. And then the leopard, the Greeks, you think of Alexander the Great, who the way he did things was he moved quickly into a new area, took them out before they knew what was happening, and then before you knew it, he was on to someone else. That's how he kind of took over the, the world, if you will, the known world. He was quick in his conquering, okay? So, uh, Daniel describes this in this order because from Daniel's point of view in history, he's looking forward. From Daniel's point of view, there will eventually be Babylon, the Medes and the Persians, and then Greece. See these last, these last ones? And this is the order that they happened in real history. And so looking forward, Daniel sees Babylon, Medo-Persia, and Greece. Now, John flip-flops them. Why? Because he's looking backwards in history. These have already happened. So in his description of this beast, the beast has certain characteristics like a leopard, has certain characteristics like a bear, has certain characteristics like a lion. He's saying the new, this new government, if you will, this new empire that will be headed by the Antichrist, this new empire is going to take on all those, all those characteristics. They will wipe out places quickly and, and, and um, just, just like Alexander did. They're going to conquer quickly. They're going, to be, they're going to have incredible strength, and they'll be incredibly fierce. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's. Its mouth like a lion's mouth. And to it the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. Now, before we... Before we conclude, I want to do the best I can to describe for you one of the reasons that the term Antichrist applies to this being, this person. When Jesus ascended from the earth, where did he go? He went to heaven where he did what? 
Right. He's at the right hand of the Father. God is on the throne. Jesus is with God at the throne. He shares the throne of God. Okay? We just read in this verse that this being, the, uh, the last part of verse 2, to it, to the beast, the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. You see, God the Father shares his throne, his authority with God the Son. As an antichrist, the flip side, the reverse, the fake Christ, Satan now shares his throne with the fake Christ, the Antichrist. See the significance? And then we continue and look in verse 3. One of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed. Mortal means deadly. This, this beast that he sees has seven heads. Right? We've got six explained so far. The seventh will be the Antichrist's uh, leadership of this great new empire. And this head looks like it's been killed. But somehow it's still alive. It has come back, if you will, to life. Remember Jesus died, and he came back to life. This antichrist, this fake Christ, will appear to the world as one who has died and come back to life. Now, I don't know if he is going to supernaturally die and come back. I, I think it's all a lie. But I think he will convince the world that he died and came back to life. He's a fake Christ. So Satan lets him have his throne. He somehow appears to have died like Jesus and come back to life like Jesus. Um, and then the reason that he's going to do that, the last part of verse 3, and the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. They're going to say, wow, he died and came back to life. He must be the real thing. John, can I point something out real quick? Yeah. Seven and ten. If you go back to Daniel and stuff, it says that there's ten, but he, the small horn, that also refers to the horn, he comes up and he displaces three of those ten. So that's how he ends up with seven. It's an assassination attempt on this individual and stuff. Ah. Yeah, which if it is an assassination, then that explains or could explain how we all thought he was dead and now he's alive again. Excellent. Well, well, what I'm describing is is a, a look over history. 
these have been world empires through history, and then his will be the final worldwide empire. So yeah, that's that. That's interesting. So their influence is still here among us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's interesting. Good. That's good. And he's not bound by the timeline like we are. Absolutely. That's good. That's good stuff. Um, and so verse, uh, verse 4 now. And remember what I've been trying to show you uh, in our closing is that the fake Christ, antichrist, there are some, some specific intentional similarities with the uh, fake Christ and, and the real Christ. And so in verse 4 it says, uh, because everyone marveled, they followed the beast. So it says in verse 4, they worshipped the dragon. Remember, the dragon is Satan. So because of an apparent resurrection, they follow the Antichrist and worship Satan. Because of his true resurrection, we follow Jesus and worship God the Father. They worshiped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast. You remember the last thing that Jesus said to the disciples? Uh, we call it the Great Commission. He said, go, therefore, and teach, and blah, blah, blah. Why? He said, because I have been given authority. The dragon gives the authority to the beast. And they worshiped the beast saying, Who is like the beast and who can fight against it? If God be for us, who can be against us? So that's about all my, my uh, emotions and my brain can handle tonight. But you begin to see, just that short introduction, you begin to see this beast, uh, the anti-Christ, the fake Christ, comes from the abyss, comes out of nowhere. He comes at, I believe, Satan's bidding. And he encapsulates... He encapsulates uh, the, the, the fierceness and the strength and the speed of some of those early, uh, we could even say evil empires. And he becomes the seventh. By the way, seven is always a completion number. And so he becomes the seventh, the completed series of world empires.
People will love him. They will follow him. Uh, they'll be enamored with him, even worship him. And what's actually happening is they are worshiping the power behind him, which is Satan. Now, just like God had two witnesses, remember we reviewed the two witnesses. Just like God had two witnesses, Satan now will have two beings at work. One we call this Antichrist, and then soon we'll be introduced to the one we call the false prophet. Just like God had two in the end, Satan has two in the end. Think of, and this is, this is, uh, this is oversimplifying, but for now, think of the Antichrist as the political leader and the false prophet as the religious leader. Working hand in hand with religious leader and political leader, they take over the world and direct people to worship Satan. All right. So won't that be a fun week of study and uh, we'll get back together next time and see what we have to look forward to. Any other input there? Any other questions, Dan? Yeah, I don't know if there's even a physical uh, location, but, but it just means. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah. Satan offered Jesus an easier way to get a throne. And Jesus said, no, we're going to do it God's way. But yeah, Satan... Satan offered him that authority, didn't he? That's interesting. Good. It well, and yeah, it just it just means the authority to rule. There's not a real chair somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, many won't. Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay, tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned. Yeah, many, many won't. Remember, we do have folks who, the 144,000 influenced many during, during this time of tribulation. The two witnesses influenced many during the time of tribulation. And I, I, I know you want to shoot me every time I bring it up, but I think the church is still around, influencing and growing. And, uh, but the vast majority of people fall in with this guy. <laughs> That'll be good. 17. Okay. But Satan is, I mean, I was thinking previously that Satan is always kind of the opposite of God. I mean, God is mm -hmm. truth, Satan is the lie. God is life, Satan is the murderer. But on down the list, but I was thinking today, I know this is kind of off the wall, but the only thing that's good you can say about Satan.
And let me let me stress, thank you, Dan. Let, let me stress because I want you to, I want you to leave with hope. So let, let me stress before we're done. Remember that all of this craziness, chaos, pain, anger, hatred, worshiping Satan, scary destruction, all of this lasts for seven years. There's a limited time. The worst of it is three and a half years. It's a limited time. And then there is a thousand years in which Jesus reigns and rules. And then there's a whole new heaven and a whole new earth. Forever. So realize a big chunk of Revelation is only talking about seven years and really we could argue it's only talking about three and a half years. So keep that in mind. It focuses a whole, it, many, many chapters on a short period of time. Don't ever forget that, okay? Good news. Because, do you know why Satan the dragon and the Antichrist beast and the false prophet who we haven't met yet. Do you know why they are establishing this seventh world empire? They're establishing this because they're trying to keep Jesus from establishing his kingdom. They're thinking if we can establish our kingdom and screw everybody up, then we can keep Jesus from establishing his. But you and I have already read the end of the book. Right? So we know that in the end they fail. And Jesus is victorious. So don't lose sight of that as we go through the scary stuff.